Chapter 19. Who will save the planet? After the excitement of the swimming carnival, Sunday was a real antique climax. Of course, Jason's parents had been highly impressed that he'd passed the SLSC swimming test. If we'd known you were going to enter an event, we would have come and watched it, they said. Jason assured them that it wasn't intentional. In the newspaper, there was a rather unflattering picture of him backing away from the mob at the beach, but no actual, actual news. They could have at least mentioned that he won the race he was in and will soon be a real lifeguard. You'd think that would have been newsworthy that since this all started with him saving the PM. But that wasn't important anymore. It was all about saving the planet when most people didn't want to, or at least some people. After breakfast, Jason browsed through a science advisor magazine. There was an article on global warming based on sudding ice in Antarctica. They used words like might, could, and probably. Before he'd met Professor Van Dyne, <coughs> he wouldn't have noticed words like those. But now they seemed to jump out at him. His reading was interrupted by a phone call from David. Hey, Jace, you up for lunch? No way. Am I going into town? You saw those reporters yesterday and the other people as well. Yeah, but I'm still game. It wasn't you. They were after. Anyway, I promised my mother I wouldn't go into town. Okay, I will get takeaway and see you at the track. Don't be late or I will get cold. David hung up. So he couldn't be argued with. Oh well, it would be better than having a sandwich for lunch, at least taste-wise. There'd be plenty of time for sandwiches once school started again. Jason cycled cautiously, expecting reporters to spring out from every pa parked car. When he got close to the main parts of town, 
he detoured down a side road that ran parallel, parallel to Pacific Street and stopped at a vacant lot that was used as a makeshift dart bike track. He wheeled his bike along a track to a clearing that was surrounded by waist-high wheels. David wasn't there yet. Jason sat on an upturned milk crate, which he positioned so he could face Pacific Street and keep an eye out for anyone coming. The first person to turn off Pacific Street was David. He sped up to the clearing and skidded his bike to a halt just in front of Jason. Raising a cloud of dust that drifted drifted into Jason's face. Thanks, said Jason, and faked some coughs. <clears throat> David lopped over a paper bag, quite complaining and it. As usual, Jason inserted a layer of fries into his cheeseburger. David watched it, disgusted but mesmerized. I still say that's gross, he said. And I still say don't knock it until you've tried it. Don't criticize what you don't, don't understand, huh? Not you too, said Jason. You sound like Mr. Lindsay or Professor Van Dyne, or just about everyone else, actually. Sorry, couldn't help it. It just seemed kind of topical. You're right, though. It's not as simple as I thought, and it's not my decision or it shouldn't be, or something. So, what are you going to do? The right thing, which is, I don't know anymore. Well, there's a first. A car turned off Pacific Street and headed towards them. Jason watched it closely, while making sure that his head didn't stick up to high above the woods, but the car drove straight past. David wiped some sweat from his forehead. I wish they'd turn the air conditioner up. Yeah, and uh, that core needs work. And said Jason, sweeping a hand across the wheel. At least 
it will all be over soon, no matter what I do. Then we can eat inside. I don't reckon. Why not? If you don't cave in, the PM's always going to be buzzing around, bugging you, trying to get out of doing whatever it is you're getting him to do. And if he won't leave you alone, neither will all anyone else. Jason wrinkled off his nose. I never thought about it like that. After lunch, Jason was hoping to head down to his thinking beach to decide whether he should cave in, as David put in. After all, the PM left for Rotterdam tomorrow, but David had other plans and dragged Jason over to his house to play a flying combat game he just got. David had obviously, obviously been practicing on it, so it wasn't really a fair fight. At least that's what Jason insisted. By the time David got sick of fragging Jason's aircraft, it was too late to go to the beach. The big decision would have to wait until tomorrow. Jason didn't feel very well next morning. He stayed in his room with the door closed and listened to the radio. Summer knocked gently. You okay in there? asked his mother without opening the door. Yes, mom. Want any breakfast? No thanks. Anything you want to talk about? No thanks. Jason looked at his watch. It was nearly half past eight. Decision time, he said to himself, and scooped up his head and phone, remembering Mr. Lindsay's Warning about how phone, how in- important it was to call on time. He made sure this was plenty of battery charge left in his phone. Being in trouble with the prime minister of the country was definitely something to avoid. Avoid. The creek bed was as dry as usual. Jason kicked at the red dust, sending a poof of in of it into the air. It doesn't need to be like this, he said out loud. But was David right about being bugged forever by the PM? and everybody else unless he butted out. Although forever could be fairly soon for Mr. Lindsay. If the TV 
and newspapers were right, he mightn't be prime minister for much longer. In a way, it didn't seem fair that he was copying so much flake for trying to get out of his promise to Jason when Jason was asking for something he probably shouldn't. Just as Jason scrambled out of the creek bed, Chris drove up and parked in front of the SLSC clubhouse. Jason, how's our newest member? I feel like there's a knot in my stomach. I've got to decide about the mission controls once and for all. Tricky. You're putting a lot of responsibility on your own shoulders for a young block. It shouldn't used to seem tricky. I was certain I was doing the right thing, but now I'm not sure the medicine is actually good for the dog. Chris looked mystified. Huh? A fly landed on his arm, and he copped his free hand and moved it slowly towards the fly. And I don't want the PM hassling me forever. And I don't want to cause him to lose the, lose the election. Jason nodded slowly while keeping his eyes on the fly. I'm not going to tell you what I reckon, Jason. I just hope you get the result. Result? That's best for you. He continued moving his cupped hand closer to his prey. Jason watched the fly on Chris's arm, preening itself. Oblivious to the to the approaching prison. But it's not just about me, Chris. I could I could make things better for heaps of people, or at least I thought I could. Chris brought his cupped hand down suddenly around the fly. Hey, I think you caught in, says Jason. Yeah, I can feel it buzzing around in there. They stood silently for a while, listening to the bursts of buzz from the trapped insect. So now what are you going to do with it? asked Jason. No idea. I've never actually caught one before. They listened to the fly's attempts to escape for a while longer, then Chris raised his hand and the prisoner flew off to free them. I don't think I'd 
have done that, said Jason. Yeah, well, I didn't want fly gods on my hands. Jason nodded. There is that. And it's wrecked off anyway, so it's not bugging me anymore. Jason nodded again. Not bugging me anymore, he murmured. After Jason and Chris parted company, Jason carried on towards his thinking beach. As usual, there was nobody else there. He nervously looked out over the ocean to see if there were any hands bobbing up out of the water. Fortunately, there weren't, so he sat down on a log. Since the last meeting with the PM, the only time Jason had felt like sticking to his original request was during the swimming carnival. He attempted to rekindle, rekindle his passion from the carnival, but it was gone. Maybe that was for the best. Insisting on emission control targets just to get back at push posh reporters and selfish townspeople and tourists was probably not the right reason. They're all idiots, he said out loud, but without enough conviction to even convince himself. Someone had built a sand castle a bit further up the beach. Jason couldn't remember seeing a sand castle at his beach before. He walked over and inspected it. It had five main towers, obviously made with a bucket. Straight walls joined the towers. It had been built on the moist sand near the water's edge. But now the tides was turning against it and the surf was starting to undermine its foundation. foundations. Jason pick, picked up a stick that had been washed up on the beach and balanced it across the top of the turret nearest the, the ocean. He gently pushed down on one end of the street, making the other and rise up like a seesaw. Environment goes up. Economy goes down, he said to himself. Determination goes up. Freedom goes down. 
the last remnant of a uh, wave slashed against the tower under his stick and it collapsed onto the beach. Jason looked at his watch, then took out his phone and called Mr. Lindsay's office. As usual, a recorded message played. Phones needed to have fast forward buttons, so you didn't have to wait, he thought. Finally, the call was answered. Prime Minister's office, Robert Aldershot. Oh, it's only you. Decided to interfere again. Can I speak to Mr. Lindsay, please? No, you can't. He's already left. But he's left early. He's always running late. I told his driver to set the clock in his car forward so he wouldn't be late for once. But I will be in trouble if I don't speak to him. I know. That would be a shame, wouldn't it? Jason was tempted to hang up, but that really wouldn't have helped. Can you give him a message? Depends what it is. He doesn't have to sign up to the Rotterdam target. He can do whatever he thinks is right. That's what he was planning to do anyway, kids. No, it isn't. And tell him anyway, please. We'll see. Jason hung up. At least he wouldn't have to talk to Mr. Ardershot again. He looked up at the remains of the sand castle, which was now little more than a soggy mound on the beach. Now, who will save the planet? He asked it.